Capital raisings. Two came on our radar today, and I think they both have the theme of wanting to get some money in the door before the quarterly drops and someone sees how little cash might be there. Tuesday, we will uh, name and shame those who report at the end of quarterly. I'm not going to do this story justice, only talking about it in, in this brief defined segment. And back then, they had sales agreements worth over uh, $1 billion. A good chunk of those sales agreements were to a company that had no revenues and assets of only $70,000. Money miners, Friday 28th, that bloody week has flown and oh, geez, I'm excited for the weekend. JD, Trav, we are repping the merch. G'day, Matthew Michael. It's only for us, but because fucking- For now. Not gonna bloody, yeah, there'd have to be some big demand because bloody shipping and packaging merch is a big job, but- is tough. If the demand's there. We got some hats coming, I haven't told you yet, but I- I um. Oh, you have done some hooteroo hats. Did the bulk order? Did a bulk order. Shirt underneath. Have a bloody look at the bastard. Oh, yeah. We've got long sleeves. Oh god, we're kitted out ready for diggers. Diggers are ready. I like it, mate. We're not and wearing business shirts, mate. I hear you've got um got a few acting offers come your way after uh after a little skit video went up yesterday. Yeah, I think Carl from Channel Nine gave me a call this morning. Bloody yeah, we're all over it. Part two's just out. You do well on Home and Away, I reckon. Home and Away, no, don't, don't degrade. <laughs> don't degrade my talent like that, JD. <laughs> Farmer wants a wife. <laughs> He's more a reality TV kind of man. Now he we're is, talking. Yeah, part two of the uh, poor quarterly excuses is out on LinkedIn and Twitter and YouTube. The translations bloody to the layman. Yeah, bloody me and Trav got the acting boots on. There's what. Three more to come, Trav. Yeah, we've got one every day until the last day of quarterly season. So we've got uh, one today's come out. We've got one on each day of the weekend and then Monday's the uh, finale. So five one-minute clips to come of uh, quarterly translations. Give them a like on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you Get are. Get them going. It's well on brand. Trav's in a suit. I'm in high-vis with uh, bloody a vape and red wine. So fits in, fits in perfectly. JD, JD's about, in the background of I'm fuck behind, all. behind the camera directing. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I, I like quarterly season. I think it's exciting and we see all this stuff and we, it creates great content. We're going to have a sort of fun episode on Tuesday to come, I'm sure. Well, Monday's the last day that companies can report their quarterlies. Exactly. So, and we'll be uh, Tuesday, we will uh, name and shame those who report at the end of quarterly, but also we'll see as how many report aftermarket today, yeah. seeing if they can sneak it out of the news scene, but it won't be getting past money of mine. So. Yeah. No, no, no. Friday's so, news is Monday's news for us. So we've got, our, we've got our eyes on the cash balance at plenty of companies and that sort of ties in with what we're going to start the show with, capital raisings, as well as a few resource statements. Ultra horses, mate. Maddie's got partners to introduce now. No, we're not doing the one this one. Oh, aren't we? No, we did it yesterday. Oh, shit. Sorry, mate. Fuck's sake. <laughs> so I reckon we'll start with a bit of an overview. We're going to run through a couple capital raisings that we're seeing. What else have we got? We've got a bit of, bit of macro, touching on Lion Town, Carnaby, Trav, you've got a bit of a deep dive coming up. Oh, little one. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be late for Magnus. our beers, the Savi, because of yeah. this. Magnus Energy. <laughs> Calidus gets a shout. So let's get straight into it. Capital raisings. Who are we seeing, guys? Two, yeah, two, two, two came on our radar today. And I think they both have the theme of, um, yeah, wanting to get some money in the door before the quarterly drops and someone sees how little cash might be there. And the two that came on our radar... Number one, strand line. Now, this is a really interesting one, right? They've been ramping up their Coburn Mineral Sands project. Uh, 
in my head, it was a little bit of a poster child. People had sort of pointed to it as someone who could build a mine in in an inflationary environment and do it on time on budget. And now we see as they're ramping up, they're raising 30 million bucks. So it's not a good sign there. CEO also resigned during the week, which is not a good sign during ramp up. No. I think that's in a skit video. (laughs) <laughs> yes. There's some inspiration. We, we weren't inspired by that very specific stories. But, um, but yeah, it's pretty um, – yeah, we'll wait and see what comes out of the quarterly there. But it's hope, – yeah, hopefully we get a bit more colour when that happens and doesn't look great. Yeah, and Centaurus is the other one. So they're raising $35 million, potential to take $5 million in overs at $0.73, cents, which is almost a 14% discount. So we're expecting the, the DFS later this year. In Q4, we've – that's been delayed quite a bit, so we've been waiting on that one a while now. And then, yeah, final investment decision to come in Q3 of calendar year 24. So, yeah, the other thing I'm looking out for with these guys is any potential off-takes now that they've bought back their, their off-take rights from Vale to see what they do on that front would be interesting. And, yeah, well, definitely a better percentage than the other nickel sulphide uh, will producer even though Centaurus are a developer so theirs was at what 13.6% discount and we know that uh, nickel sulphide and nickel prices at the moment are not getting the flavour they were a year or two ago so yeah at least they did a bit better than um, Panoramic on the bloody uh, discount side. Yeah did you guys see Panoramic come out uh, yesterday? Pretty close to that bloody raisin price weren't they? They Down 40%. Yeah big volume as well. I think it was down, Down 40% and more heavily diluted now and isn't that just a big bloody hill to climb to get back to where they were a week ago? Yeah. They, Even more difficult now. They didn't drop below the, the raise price, which is, which is interesting. They and went the, bloody close. Yeah, they, yeah. they tested it and the, the trading volume was just huge. As, as you'd imagine, it was the most amount of shares turned over in, in quite a while. Mm, right, boys. Coal. Coal, we're getting a lot of info about uh, a lot of requests for coal coming mm. our way. There yeah, was a bit in the news, uh, possible New South Wales royalty changes. Yeah, it's one of those ones with a, with a Twitter following. I think that's where we're getting the, um, the interest from. So like you said, potential change in the New South Wales royalty. So they might be taking a leaf out of Queensland's book, who did something in, over the past year. So the government said they're consulting with 16 different mining groups across the state. And they kind of want to get this done before the state budget is out, which comes out in September for New South Wales. I'm, I'm sure the way that they'll sort of frame it is, you know, with a, with a focus on household power prices and maintaining low power prices for individuals, as well as a sort of, you know, taxing coal for being coal. They said they won't do anything until the the price cap that they have comes off. So that's expected to come off about midway through next year. Naturally, you've seen a bit of pushback from the industry. The, the kind of way the industry, the miners respond to this is we don't want a repeat of what happened in Queensland. And just for a bit more info on what happened in Queensland, as you've seen many mining companies say they're not going to invest anymore in the state because that that, you know, rules and the, the goalposts sort of shift after the fact and that's not something that, that mining companies like. Well, right, next one, Lion Town. Been a bit out of the news since the big Albemarle bid and the rise and everything, it's all gone a bit quiet and they're just uh, constructing away their Kathleen Valley lithium project. I but feel like we talked about them in our first ever episode and we've barely spoken about them since, except mm. in relation to the tender. To the, to the tender. So, look, 
nothing nothing too much to report. They're still saying first production mid-2024. So they anticipate awarding the underground mining contract next month in August. So that's possibly only weeks away. So uh, Develop put in their announcement that they're not in the tender race anymore. So it is Bar Minko and Burncut who are going for possibly the biggest underground mining contract in Australia. Because the from what the comments are that the scope of that contract has been sort of growing throughout the tender process. So she's going to be a big a big humdinger. So look, they've been they've been. Uh, with all the surface construction and the pit and everything, they're getting some, there is some stockpiled potential DSO material. So they said they've moved one and a half million bulk cubic metres of total material and some of that has been stockpiled as potential DSO, but they haven't yet made it a decision. They're going to make a decision this quarter on whether they're going to go down the road of selling that DSO. So talking about or talking about the contract crushing, screening, contract ore sorting as well to sell it because it needs to be sorted to get all the iron and shit out of it to make it a saleable DSO product. So not yet, a, we don't know how much DSO there is and we don't know if they're going to actually sell it or not yet. Still waiting, but it, there is that option for a bit of early revenue for them. So, yeah. It's staggering that the, the valuations, I mean, it's come off a little bit, but um, I mean, you still got, ramp up risk right and it's still a while until you get first production yet it's um it's valued you know like the market cap's half the ev of pilbara i'd reckon ramp up risk as well would be heightened with this operation due to the scale of it because an underground mine trying to get i think it's pretty much three million ton straight out and then progressing up towards four million ton i'm not sure if it's three million ton in the first year but that's their sort of before they get that 4 million tonne doesn't come till about 28 or 20, 2028 or 29. But yeah, 3 million tonne straight up from an underground mine. Uh, it's going to be a plenty happening there. So you reckon Albert Mild's going to come in with another bid, mate? Or do you reckon they've called? Oh, they, they, ha- they haven't said no and they've gone away, have they? So it's, there's obviously some wheeling and dealing cooking in the background to see if it's going to be Albemarle taking over Lion Town, if they're going to JV with a local partner like a Minres or a Gina or someone and really lock in Kathleen Valley and whatever downstream if they're going to, because they're going to progress that study about the downstream at Kathleen Valley or they tie it in with another company. So I think there's still some news to play out there. Yeah, the commentary with- from uh, Chris Ellison on the, the latest Minres quarterly was really, really fascinating. It was it, you know, an entertaining listen. And just on the, the downstream, he really emphasised the you know, that there isn't always a need for these mining companies to, to go downstream. And he was, you know, pretty adamant that in their case, Minrays are pretty good at mining, you know, producing the rock, but they don't necessarily have to go all the way downstream. So, uh, well, I think he said his exact words were, or hopefully exact, um, it's cheaper for them to get a full plant built and constructed in China and then shipped over to Australia to install it than building it all here by themselves. Yeah, fascinating. Because uh, China can do it at half the price. Mm. So another quick one I wanted to touch on, Carnaby. So the quarterly came out, no resource yet, which is what we're, we're looking out for. So they've got the Greater Duchess Copper Gold Project, about 70K southeast of Mount Isa in Queensland. 
There was a line that, that did stand out in the quarterly. The company continues to target a Q3 release for the maiden mineral resource estimate. So back in the March quarter, the timeline was extended from Q2 to Q3 to incorporate recent drill results received during and subsequent to the quarter. So yeah, like I said, that maiden resource is what we're really fixed on with with Carnaby. And in general, the, the wording, you know, company XYZ continues to target X date is one I really look out for. I mean, can you really say that you've you've met your target if you just revise the target and then say we delivered on time? I'm oh, not so. There's plenty of examples of that one floating around. There's plenty. Yeah. Doesn't um, always make it okay though. I think, yeah, I think it, you're right. But no, companies don't hold themselves to account. It's up to commentators to do proper work, analysts to do proper work and hold, hold companies to, you know, what they originally said. Agreed, mate. <laughs> Not what they revised and said. Are Agreed. we going to uh, touch on that Minres uh, investor call? Oh, yeah, at the, at the back end. We got oh, to stay tuned, everyone. We're going to go segment. into some of the juicy things coming out of Mr. Ellison's mouth directed mm. towards some of the unfavourable research coverage. Yeah. He did not appreciate. <laughs> Trav, I'm keen to hear about this Magnus one. It's, it's one I've come from a pretty low base on, but what's the story? Firstly, Who uh, the bloody hell are they, by the way? I know, right? Magnus Energy. It's um, a really interesting one that I'd heard of before, but it hadn't really come on my radar at all. So shout out to Patrick, guys, who uh, said, take a look at this. Look at the quarterly that just came out about this company. Yeah, new, man, new little uh, man working in the incubator here. New, te- <laughs> new team member of Money of Mine for a, um, a period of time. We've got Patrick, who's a, a, a final year student at UWA and um, has volunteered his his work efforts to help us out doing some uh, bit of work here. So I just think- don't tell him that, Trav. We'll get <laughs> bloody audited. <laughs> slave labour. No, mate, he's not. Well, we haven't given him a contract. He's just helping us out. It's just a casual not paying uh, arrangement. Legend, smart bloke. <laughs> and he's, he said, take a look at Magnus. So this, Patrick, shout out to you, mate. Good work. And it really uh, piqued my interest because Magnus, it's just one of those names I've seen thrown around a bit on Twitter. I get the sense that they had a pretty strong retail following at one stage. Um, you know, and it sort of feels like one that might have it might have been a targeted strategy to have a retail following. Somehow, though, uh, it's it's really just avoided us um, until now, which is which is strange because this is the kind of company I think we would have loved to have talked about sooner. And I think in in a nutshell, if I were to describe Magnus Energy, it's one of those EV hype stocks. They've got a New York State factory, Imperium Three, um, you know, producing battery stuff, and then uh, there's Nutshu, a much touted Tanzanian graphite mine. I'm not going to do this story justice, only talking about it in in this brief defined segment, and we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, but but here's the story, um, and it's and it's well documented by the Australian. If anyone wants to go through their um, myriad of articles about this company since about 2020. So at the moment, Magnus is currently capped at 120 million bucks. But back in November 2021, uh, it was nearly a 700 million dollar company. Back wow. then, oh shit, mate, yeah, I know, big, right? And back then, they had sales agreements, sales agreements worth over uh, $1 billion in, in Aussie dollars. So f- future production sales agreements, is that what we're talking here? Correct, yes. Okay. Uh, and here's where it gets interesting, right? It's well reported that a good chunk of those sales agreements were to a company that had no revenues and assets of only $70,000 at the time. 
I'm just going to list off a bunch of really interesting, strange facts about this company. There are claims from former employees that the company engaged an alleged drug smuggling kingpin to act as an agent for the company in Turkey. We know that ASIC had inquiries into a pump and dump group on Telegram on Magnus shares. In its 2021 AGM, Magnus claimed uh, that it's some of the parts valuation had a potential value of $10 billion, which it then had to retract four days later. That came from the company in their own AGM. Mm-hmm. A slew of directors began departing the board. And as of June this year, 14 executives or directors had departed since 2020. According to court filings, the company and its chair demanded the details of 15 hot copper users posting negative commentary of the company, including the IP addresses of these users of hot copper. ASIC has also probed the chair for a purchase of shares in early 2020. A former exec of Magnus, their VP of sales and marketing, publicly claimed there was unethical and possibly illegal conduct at its uh, battery plant. And very recently, its CEO of just 10 months, David Taylor, quit and ASX have reportedly put Magnus on the naughty list, reviewing every announcement very carefully, now following a pattern of concerning announcements. So just an overall real good chunk of positive news coming out of the company. Far out. There's some stories That's a bloody there. list and a half, isn't it? I feel like we could do an episode on every one of those points, but we won't. Mm. Um, and the injury, I saw with the hot copper people, they were the... It was a, a case that they were trying to get Hot Copper to disclose the names and addresses and IP addresses of these, I think there was 12 users that 15, they listed, they said, yeah. 15 yeah. users. That's wow. um, and again, going towards that, uh, what is it like, publishers being liable, liable for defamatory comments of others. Mm-hmm. So mm. we know about that. <laughs> so let's just disregard the, the Gigafactory thing in New York. We're mining guys, right? Uh, so let's look at the graphite mine. There's a lot to talk about here, but I'll, I'll keep it to just one point. On 21st of February, they came out with an offtake agreement with Tesla for the supply of graphite concentrate and AAM from their Natu project, which doesn't have validated product yet. And we spoke all about how long it takes to get validated product, right? The stock actually sold down on the announcement, can you believe? Like Tesla. I know. Um, and the word from our graphite guru is that you know, the market was probably switched on to the impossibility of meeting the timelines in the agreement. Remember that qualification period for graphite is years. It takes a long time, right? It takes time to build a plant. It takes time to qualify. It takes a really, really long time. So what, what came out today, quarterly today? All right, let's talk, let's talk about the real news. What came out today? Well, it, it would probably help if I also reveal that Magnus was supposed to be doing chunky revenue numbers by now. They, they've quoted to be doing, they should be doing $80 million revenue in 2022 and $360 million in 2023 and growing all the way to $1.8 billion in revenue by 2027. Assume that comes from that 2021 this, report from the this company? Is, or? This is as reported in, in the Australian. So, yeah. Um, and now we look at the quarterly and the company looks really, really sick. Not like fully sick, <laughs> like that, the actual influenza sick. It looks unwell. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, not, not, yeah, pH, fat, <laughs> different one. So uh, you look at the cash flow statement, right? Remember, we, re- we, read, we read quarterly's back to front. Negative $14 million from operations um, for the quarter. 
zero dollars receipts from customers. So the total change in, in cash balance is down 21 million with only $22 million of cash left. Oof. And here's the kicker. They've got a drawn debt facility of 151 million bucks, which in this year, the interest rate is so far plus 6%, plus another premium of 4.6%, which is approximately 16% interest this what, year. What's the premium on top of that? So for plus... It's a, yeah, it's an additional credit premium on top of the, the base margin, which is staged over time. So oh, it's just the way it's structured. Yeah, 16% uh, this year on $151 million Aussie. Um, so this year so alone... A lot of money. Over the next year alone, that's over $20 million they're going to have to pay yeah. in it, interest alone. Secured against the IP, you know, the battery-making IP, so... Oops, okay. uh, so that so potentially if they have the if they have a similar quarter they'll have zero cash need to raise money with hundred uh, hundred odd million yeah. bucks debt. S- subsequent to the quarter end they raise they raise million. ten million bucks and that'll flow through into the, the next quarter. Oh, right. Um, yeah. But you know ten million bucks doesn't doesn't keep the lights on for too long with a cash burn like that. And it's just secured against the IP. Secured against the IP of the company. Yeah. So look, I, I reckon there's a lot it's, more. Uh, to dig into in this one if, if we wanted to, but I'll, I'll let the money miners do their own research. The Australian's done a good job on this one. So right, that's check out those articles. Mm, another, one, another one we've talked about a bit, boys, and another uh, ramp-up project that is getting a lot of attention is Calidus. They're quarterly out. Similar, similar to Red 5, similar, I guess you'd say similar position due to the debt and everything. Uh, boys, what did we take from it? Yeah, they're in a similar phase, like you said, to Red5 and perhaps other companies we spoke about earlier in the week, Maddie, my, my sort of outlook is a slightly bearish on the company. So they raised 23.5 million after costs over the, in the past quarter. The cash now sits at 26, debt at 81. So that leaves them at a net debt position of 55 million. EV of 165 million. So the market cap is about 110. Looking forward to... FY24, guidance has been set at between 65 and 75,000 ounces. And the midpoint of the all-in sustaining cost is Aussie $2,000 an ounce. Has that, has that come down a bit? I remember them sort of, you know, saying they'd be an 80,000 ounce per annum producer. Do you know if it's come down since initial forecasts? Yeah, I mean, if you're saying that the, the stage one, because they group it in sort of three stages, they sort of class stage one as 75-ish thousand ounces. And that's a stage one is like a three-year thing. And then, you know, the company projects it's on its way to being 130,000 130, ounce per annum producer. When the blue spec comes on. Because that three-year stage one's back-end weighted, isn't it? Yeah, that's lot, right. Lot they're in the, they're in the, the ramp-up phase, you know. I think they did just over 16,000 ounces in the quarter just gone. So having a quick look at what the brokers think, um, there's, a few, there's a few brokers that cover it. Canaccord have a 65-cent price target on it. And Euros just updated to a 42 cent price target. So the stock's trading at about 19. I still feel some of those Oof. numbers seem, seem a bit lofty. I mean, that new guidance number, that was a bit of a kicker. Euros had to update their production down 17% for FY24 and all in sustaining cost up 25%. So, I mean, it's also worth noting that Canaccord and Euros both acted as joint lead managers to the April raise of roughly 24 million that I just touched on before. And just digging into some of the assumptions in, for instance, the Canaccord report, looking at the gold price in US dollar terms specifically, they're forecasting over FY24, 2050, and then over FY25, 2150. So yeah, it's, it's a relatively high assumption for the gold price over, over that time period. 
And given that Calidus is a high cost producer, they've got a lot of leverage to whatever that commodity price assumption is. So it's something we've spoken about with a number of different stocks. You know, if you're a high cost producer, you have the leverage. Well, and, got, high, and highly hedged. Well, exactly. They've only got yeah. leverage, assuming that they produce more than their hedged ounces. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. Mm. 100%. <laughs> we're going we're to touch on that more. So, yeah, I mean, th those forecasts may hold up, but just something worth bearing in mind for investors out there. They came out with a presentation recently, didn't they, JD? They did, mate. So they presented at the Noosa Mining Conference just last week. And there was something they didn't mention in that presentation, and it was the hedge book. And it's with good reason they didn't mention it, because it's 106,000 ounces hedged at Aussie 2,370, roughly. So it's not, the, not the worst on the market, but definitely at the bottom end. Yeah. In terms of price, definitely, you know, it's, it's sort of in that midpoint. It's not great. In terms of volume of uh, production... It's, it's quite substantial. It's almost half of, you know, give or take half of their production up until September 2025 that's hedged. And also looking at that presentation a bit further, they've got a slide on valuation upside and they use an EV to production chart to rank companies. And my first thoughts are looking at this is why is the market valuing the companies in that order? And then it sort of takes a few moments to realise sort of while here and there there, there will be mispricings, with stocks, there's a good reason that companies like Capricorn, Emerald, Perseus are much closer to the left of that chart than they are to the right. And that's because they're pretty healthy margin businesses that have a track record of turning production into actually cash in the bank. Something else of note with, uh, with regard to Calidus is McMahon's, the mining contractor up at their, their mine site, at the time of the raising in April of this year, they converted 10.5 million of debt into equity and as a miner you just you wouldn't take that dilution if you didn't need to do it and sort of make the balance sheet look a bit better lastly on that noosa presentation six of the 21 slides were on lithium now to me that just feels like a couple too many they do have this this pira project that they want to spin out and ipo but given where i think their company's focus should be over the near and medium term it you know perhaps feels like a couple too many Mm. So on the sort of positive side of things, trying to trying to look on the bright side for the company, the the plant is running above nameplate capacity now. So it's running at 2.7 million tonnes per annum. The nameplate is for 2.4. They did meet their guidance over the past half year. And if they can get through this tougher period that they're now in, the, the strip ratio should lower, mining costs should fall, and then we should see, uh, you know, that hopefully they deliver into that hedge book and the actual realised price improves and it should be become a, a better margin business. So I think overall it's it's quite easy to be bearish on the stock at the moment, but it's a pretty tough environment out there and I do hope the guys can sort of put it together and sort of achieve the goals that they've set for themselves in the company. Because I think that Canaccord note, they valued that hedge to be, what was it, eight cents per share? So I think they valued the company at 73, then take eight cents off it to take into account the hedge loss, yeah, which got them to 60, their 65 cent target. The problem with doing it that triple way and a bit is, you know, it is you're not really like, you're not really properly modeling the minimum cash balance of the company. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like you're, model, you're modelling it on assumptions that, yeah, don't show where things get really tight and just how tight they get. And in this case, that's a big factor. Yeah, to your point, Maddie, and, and a sort of sum of the parts type of valuation, they sort of class it as a bit of a, a liability with a sort of, I think, negative 8 cent valuation, mm. I guess. And that just, yeah, obviously chops off 8% 
of their valuation of the stock. What do you What do you reckon the best move for them is? I know we've talked about this before, and I'm not sure of their flexibility and able to do so. But would it be to grind out the two years to get rid of this hedge, or try and renegotiate the terms to uh, spread it out over a longer duration? I don't know because you need to know the terms of spreading it out in order to know if there's a good idea to do that or not. Um, I think the real takeaway for Calidus is this is an example of um, a marginal project funding its operation with like extremely debt heavy. It's um, I think it was 80% debt funded, right? And when you do that, it works out wonderfully for the equity if um, everything goes right, but you're super, super, super vulnerable um, if, if things don't go quite right. And, um, and does that, ha- that hedging comes out of the debt funding? Is that usually a condition of the debt funding? Is that why they're so yeah. heavily hedged? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it typically, like, yeah, like in, in this case, their uh, debt facilities with Macquarie. Macquarie do both the hedging and the project finance facility and the two sort of come part and parcel. Um, but, yeah, you can, you can do them separate and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, but the, the hedge book is a term... Of the the debt, yeah, you're right in that, Maddie. So, are the lenders then getting upside on that gold at all? Because they because they've hedged it at that price. Is there is it just Calidus that lose out on the hedge? How does it work on the lender end? Do they get upside to that hedge price to the gold price or not? So, the hedge books with Macquarie, but the way to think about it is Macquarie have already like hedged out their exposure as well. So, there are other parties and they 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 make a margin on that. on that hedge book and they've locked, they would have locked in that margin. Yeah. Very good. Oh, well, uh, it's one of those ones that's uh, every quarter is got a lot of eyes on it to see how it's going to get out of this position, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. And I thought it would be, this would be the great time, mate. We, we should trial a new segment. Uh, Trav's top tweets. Where's it been? No, no. We you are, oh yeah. We, it's just, that's just one we throw in. Sitting there ready to go. Yeah. No worries. Uh, so this new segment, I reckon we call it Great Quarterly Sprays. And I reckon we've got to, we've got to listen to Chris Allison giving a bit of a spray to uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the analysts on the MinRares quarterly call. It was, um, we read the quotes, didn't listen to the call, but read the quotes. We're just like, what? We've got to listen to this. And so let's play it for the money miners. Always surprised with what the analysts come out, Goldman Sachs. I mean, you guys... Uh, come out in 21 and you thought that um, spot was worth 13 else than a ton. It was, in fact, it was six times higher than that. Halfway through 22, you expected hydroxide to be around 48,000 a ton. Um, it was actually one and a half times higher than that. And 23, um, you're talking about 23,000 a ton and we're sort of sitting at 60. And so as that demand's getting stronger and supply's getting tougher to get in the food chain, um, Goldman's, you're predicting 13,000 a ton. I suggest if anyone wants to bet their house on Goldman's, they're going to be a winner. The market at the moment's been very focused on free cash flow on our balance sheet, rightfully so. None more than me on doing that. Um, um, some of the comments you made um, recently are just, I mean, total rubbish. It's got MinRes is the only one of the four large caps that's negative free cash flow over the next couple of years. Well, I think I've said a number of times, I mean, our business probably from end of 20 through through to calendar year, end of calendar year 24 is literally going to double in size. Please bear that in mind when you, you pick up the pen and um, you make some of those comments because a lot of them are simply unfounded and they're damaging to our business. I've saved over a billion dollars of cash going into China. 
So get your head around this and do this in your spreadsheet. Look, if you've got, and I'm, I'm pretty much available to, to everyone, if you've got some queries or issues, pick up the phone and call me before you put pen to paper because, you know, the, the relationship we've got with our joint venture partners is second to none. And, and to go and put that in the press and, you know, to have Kent go and wake up and read that over in, in Charlotte, it, it's just not, not good. Next time you're in Perth, um, drop around and have a cup of coffee and we'll um, see if we can um, have a good discussion around uh, where we're going. Um, I read a comment this morning that there's some, what was it, potential that Albemarle is pushing back and not taking Wadjina volumes to process into chemicals and, I don't know, horse shit. What do you reckon? Oh, interesting. A couple of good highlights there. But he did say, Chris did say at the end of the call, he's like, next time I come, come, come for a cup of coffee and we'll have a discussion on where we're going with it. And he, he was, uh, what did Chris say? Uh, I just hate getting kicked in the nuts before you put pen to paper. Uh, why don't you, anyone can ring me. Why don't you just give me a ring before you do this? Because it's, uh, he, yeah, he didn't take it lightly because Jardin put out forecasts of, the next two years being Minres being negative free cash flow, the next two years. I, I will say I haven't had a good look at the um, the Minres reports from Jardim, but I'm a big fan of their research. I think those guys do really good research. Mm, you might have to argue with Chris on yeah, that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not familiar. I'll with I'll let their, you take that up with Chris. But I've read, I've read a few of their reports, and I reckon. Jeez, they're, I reckon you'd good. be pretty frazzled after copping one from Ellison, wouldn't you? <laughs> Jeez, it wasn't too fond. About polarizing figures that make you shit yourself. It wasn't too fond of the uh, the Goldman's specific to the co- commodity price forecasts going forward. <laughs> he also another one of his quotes in it was um, Goldman's long yeah price forecast for lithium. He says if you're going to bet your house against Goldman's, you're definitely go- you're going to win. <laughs> how about how about betting your mum's house? <laughs> yeah, God, what is it with betting your house these days? Uh, All righty, lads. Very good, boys. Another Hooray. great week. Bloody jeez, it feels good being in some money of mine merch. I reckon I should get some money of mine vapes. <laughs> That'd be now. That would be a bestseller. I now love we're, it, now love we're it. talking. You just leave it up to me, boys. Keep your eyes peeled on the skits, money miners, because they're going to be rolling out over the weekend. Oh, yeah. nice. Keeping them, keeping the punters keen on the weekend. Right, boys, we've got to smash this out. We've got BD the Savvy. Hooteroo. Business Ho- development. Hooteroo, money Ho-de-roo. miners. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.